Listener Production. Hello and welcome to the Footy Talk Summer Series, where we're showing you a bit of something else that we also produce here at the Listener Studios. The Howie Games is Australia's number one sports podcast. It's where the biggest names in world sport go one-on-one with Mark Howard. And to date, Howie has published over 200 episodes. And across the next few weeks in this Footy Talk podcast feed, we're going to be sharing with you mini versions of these longer-form episodes with some of our favourite footy personalities. The next 15 to 20 minutes or so is just a little bit of a taster of a longer episode that Howie recorded with Chris Judd. It was recorded back in 2017. The full podcast goes for an hour and a half. And if you do want to have a listen to it, you can get the link to that full episode in the description of this podcast. In this little taster episode, Juddy speaks about his first game and the early days at West Coast. He speaks about the feelings of losing that grand final, winning the Norm Smith and winning a grand final the following year and the drug problems that remained around West Coast. He also speaks about meeting his beautiful wife, Beck and the public attention that the couple drew. So you get to West Coast. Who's your first game of footy against? Uh, For the Eagles. For the Eagles. First preseason game was against Carlton, right? At what was then Optus Oval. Optus Oval, okay, yeah, wasn't yeah. It? so Pretty Park, Icon Park, Icon Park, Park yeah, um, yeah. So that was the first ever one. And your first senior game, Collingwood at the MCG. And your memories round of that? two. Uh, my memories. What, of that, what happened round one? Didn't get picked. Didn't get picked. Where'd you play? Played waffle. How many games you play in the waffle? Played one. Right. How'd that go? And reminded reminded coaches that that they didn't show any faith in me. <laughs> right. and, and why should I show any faith back in them? Hang around. When, you know? <laughs> How'd you go that in the waffle? Uh, good. Good. Uh, kicked four. Okay. Had a win. Right. That doesn't matter. So doesn't matter right. when you're playing in, in the undergrades. What happens with the result, Harry? You know. It's that. all about you at that yeah, point, Juddy. All about me and. Got put down as having 15 tackles, which was interesting because I 15 because I didn't. Right. But Anyway, got put down there, so that you works. You take it. Yeah, it's, it's helped for the... So which waffle team was that? East Perth. So you played one game ever. One game waffle. there. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, and wouldn't have played round two, but Mark Morenda, West Coast had a really good win round one, and then Mark Morenda hurt his back quite severely, which ended up leading to his retirement. Um, so he got the call up for round two. And were you nervous? Were you excited? Were you... I don't... You don't strike me as a man that would be terribly concerned about it all. No, I think... I think um, being left out of round one, even though I didn't deserve to play round one, yeah. I think part of me was like in that prove wrong sort of mode, which sort of decreases your nerves, I reckon. Mm. Um, so I wasn't really nervous. No, I was really excited that it was at the MCG because it felt familiar and I had a lot of good memories going to watch there. Um, Who was your first opponent? Chad Rintoul, oh, yeah. I reckon. Okay. But I just felt ready. Like when I was in... The under-16 AIS Academy, a lot of those guys that I was, who were the same age as me but had birthdays in the first half of the year had already been drafted a year before. So I'd been watching them play for 12 months already before I was even drafted. And all those guys you could benchmark yourself against and say, well, I can play as well as him or I can play better than him and he's playing AFL footy. Mm. So having that experience for 12 months um, just felt like I, I just wanted to get out there. It wasn't... A, that sort of quelled the internal debate as to if or not, whether or not I could be good enough. 
to a certain extent because I already knew guys that were good enough and was confident I could play against them. So how many games in did you feel like a genuine part of the team where you weren't playing to think, right, if I get 10 more touches here, I'll stay in the side? I reckon it wasn't really until the end of the first year where I didn't feel that I'd be two bad games away from being dropped. Okay. But once the first year was over, I felt, you know, I've got a spot in the team. Again, from the outside looking in, um, I'll ask you about some of the players, but we don't want to get too bogged down in footy, to be honest. It looked like at that stage, those years at the West Coast early doors where you started to become a really strong player and... It looked just fun. Like, footy yeah. looked like fun. The, even the way you played, it was this bright and breezy, I'll just get the ball, I'll run, I'll bounce, I'll have a shot for goal. It was like the way we play footy at school. Yeah, it was exactly how it felt. Was it? Just fun. Not nearly as many tactics back then mm-hmm. as there are now. Not nearly as many setups. Still some, but, you know, not a whole book that you had to remember. So the amount of thought that was required during the game was was much less than it is now. Um, and it really was, yeah, just just work your ass off and and play instinctively was, was how it felt. Um, and, and you were still of that approach that if I'm working harder than these guys back to you being an athlete, then I'll be able to succeed? That didn't really come till, again, the end of the first year. So when players get drafted now, they don't do the same amount of training as the rest of the team because their bodies deemed to be not up to it because they're still relatively young. How'd that sit with you? So I found that really hard to, to cop at the time because I'd done so much athletics training that the pre-season running, you know, it was, it was hard but not unachievable by any stretch of the imagination. Whereas some of the other guys that didn't have that athletic background, it really was unachievable. They, they were going to take three or four years to build up to be able to run at that level. Um, and because I had this belief that the hardy work the better you'll be, working less hard than people I already wasn't as good at was quite anxiety-provoking. So um, at the end of the first year, I just decided that I'd write my own program and and take a bit more control over what I was doing. Away from the club? Yeah, yeah. Um, And so that's what I did. I've always been big on being able to um, not relying on other people too much. Um, so even at, I would never have my boots brought to the game by the boot stutter, uh, the, pro- the property steward. I wouldn't even have my shorts brought to the game. I'd take my own shorts, my own socks, my own boots, because if anyone was going to forget them, I wanted it to be me. I didn't want the property steward to have a mare one day and forget my boots. <laughs> and then I'm going, well, um, so yeah, so I decided to take more responsibility of my own training program. Um, take my diet to a much more anal sort of level. Um, I think just had the realisation that in football, probably any pursuit you have in life, uh, but in, in football, it's not just what you're doing at the club that, that has an impact. Essentially, everyone in the competition has the same hours in the day. Um, it's up to you to use those hours as effectively as you possibly can and to do more than what everyone else is doing in those hours if you want to improve more rapidly than them. I just remember Leo Barry, a star, and you both getting beaten in at Bees in the amazing grand final. One last roll of the dice for the Eagles! Leo Barry, you star! So the siren goes that day and you just lost? Is it? What's the feeling? Uh, empty and 
slight amount of stress as to if you get the opportunity again, but mostly just a resolve around we're such a young group and it improved so rapidly. It'd come from seventh or eighth to a kick away from winning it. Um, it just felt like it would happen. You, got, you, got, you were in the Norm Smith that year? Yes. Which is unusual again. There's not many blokes do that in a losing grand final. Obviously, Gary Ablett did it and maybe did Nathan Buckley do it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And did that mean what, when they're giving you best on ground, you've lost? I can't imagine that's a huge. Just pat didn't on the feel back. good or bad. Just, yeah, okay. just didn't change it. What it did do later on is you don't have that same embarrassment that when you play really poorly in a big game. So the disappointment is the same for everyone. But when you've really played poorly in a big game, there's a, an element of embarrassment that comes along with that because you've really contributed to that loss more significantly than others. You feel embarrassed. You do. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't have that. You don't have the shame, um, but you still have just as much disappointment as the bloke that had a stinker. And then a year later, you win it by a similar margin. Um, and there was a lot of talk about you on the dais that you weren't showing emotion. It went back to me with Liesl Jones when she was criticised, won a silver medal, and then Cuzzy was going bananas. We well, got criticised for too much emotion, and you, didn't you? Uh, and that, I sort of was going to say that, that you know, the world can be a bloody imperfect place. But uh, the siren goes and you've won the grand final. Is it everything you ever thought it would be when you first started playing footy or not? Yeah, I reckon it was, but not all in that one moment. Oh. It was, um, probably took about a week to get a, a bigger, wider depth of emotions attached to it all. When did it hit you? It didn't hit me till um, about a week later after I'd had a shoulder reconstruction and was sitting at home at my parents' house and I was just sort of elated. Huh. You know, by myself. It was really strange. Huh. Um, up until then, it's just complete exhaustion, well, for me, complete exhaustion post-game and relief. And then you're just boozing and carrying on, and that, that week goes by pretty quickly. I was booked in for a shoulder reco on Wednesday or Thursday, um, or around about that. Maybe it was a, it's a couple of days later. But you can imagine that all, that all happens pretty quickly. You don't have a, a lot of time to sort of scratch yourself. And then... Um, it wasn't until I was just sitting at home at my parents' house, recovering from surgery, um, and was just genuinely elated that it just felt like whatever happened from then on in my footy career was going to be a bonus because I'd done, you what know, you to do. what I was desperate to do. So then the natural question revolves around the Eagles and illicit substances and premierships. I understand it's a headline grabber, and you're also aware that there were mistakes made through that time and when you make a mistake it doesn't pay to try and justify your way out mm. of it you're better off copying it and, and moving on and I guess that's where it sort of sits with me and, and I've had this discussion with everyone I've done that this is not about headlines so it's the last thing uh, it doesn't interest me going into a headline style scenario were you ever aware that you thought the club had a problem or not never to the extent that it was right no no way and and even the people closest to those with the biggest problems had no idea just how deep it was. Um, but hindsight's, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, and clearly if um, everyone knew how big an issue it was, things would have been duff, diff, done differently. Mm. But it's also important to remember that, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to um, defend myself. Here's a 23-year-old... I wasn't qualified to cure people's drug addiction or their, mental, their serious thought. mental health issues. Um, that's not my skill set. No. And even people whose skill set it is, that's still a really tricky issue and, and one that we haven't cracked the code for what the formula is to, to assist people with. So, look, sometimes 
people's expectations of what others can do to assist in that situation is, is unreasonable as well. Do you worry about some of the blokes you played footy with? Do you, like, um, yeah, I've got mates that I worry about because they're going down the wrong path. Do you have mates that you've played footy with over 20 years that you could wish you could help more or is it just life? Yeah, of course. I, but I don't... Um, I don't think their wellness is reliant on anything I could do. Right. I'm really clear on that. Yeah, okay. Um, but I'll do whatever I can to help. Yep. First moments you lay eyes on this girl, what do you see? If you, if you don't mind me asking. Yeah, that's fine. I, I, and I think I touched it in my book, but I just saw someone who was incredibly attractive and, and pretty drunk. Right. And that was my sweet spot, Howie. You know, like... <laughs> that sort of worked. So um, it was a Sunday, so I wasn't drinking much. Uh, I was there with Curry, who was flat. We agreed we were going to pop down to the cot on the Sunday. Curry had had a big Friday and Saturday night. Dan- Daniel, Daniel Kerr. Kerr. Yep. And the last thing he wanted to do was was go out on a Sunday again after a, a couple of nights already. But I've been sitting at home all, all weekend by myself, so it was like, you're coming. Uh, so he came along. We met Beck. Um, and nothing too full-on happened, Howie, but that was, that was sort of where we first met. And I had a girlfriend at the time, which, as you can understand, complicates matters. Uh, slightly. But, um, <laughs> look, Beck and I stayed in touch. And then when I eventually parted company with the... Um, the other girl, eventually, Beck and I got together. I have a, a beautiful girl at home by the name of Erica. And, I, and we talk a lot, but I think the moment I fell in love with her, I can picture it closely in my head and she'd made me a bowl of soup and I spilt it everywhere across the floor and the table and everything. And I thought, oh, she's going to crack it here. And she just laughs and don't worry about it. And it's a silly thing, but to me that was like, this, this could be the girl that I really want to be with. Can you... Get it to a moment like that? That's a hard question to ask. Yeah, I've got a couple of early moments. Initially, I was just thinking, you know, this girl's a, a belter. Let's, <laughs> She's let's run with this. Um, nothing wrong with that. And, and then I just remember her making me laugh a couple of times at a, a we'd go get a granita. I wasn't drinking coffee back then. Right. Um, in Leadable. Ice and sugar, that felt, that felt in the no fat category. Oh, okay. Howie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And just being able to have someone, have a, a woman, or a girl or woman then, whatever you are at 20, mm. uh, make me laugh was a bit unusual and I thought, oh, that's interesting. And then probably over a Scrabble game early. Scrabble. Which, again, is a bit odd to be playing at your 20. But um, I just remember dominating this Scrabble game at the start and just it was almost an una, unattainable lead. I was up by 80 points or whatever and I started to have pity on this this poor model who was clearly just couldn't match my Your <laughs> weighty, weighty intellect. Um, and then I thought, I'm just going to take it easy. I'm going to start putting out a couple of three-letter words just to, so I wouldn't embarrass her. And with that, she had a bit of a run with the letters and a couple of Qs and Zs later and, and, she's, uh, and she's hit the lead. Oh, no! And, oh. Uh, and so, yeah, like... But, yeah, she's a, she's a serious operator, Beck. So I think there were a couple of early things that um, yeah, made me realise we were dealing with someone who's a little bit had a little bit more depth than just uh, just her beauty. And her beauty was obviously on display at Brownlow, and that's when the world becomes to know you as a couple. Um, yeah, I remember seeing that and thinking, 
Um, what did I think? I'm not sure she was treated appropriately. I don't know. On the coverage? It's, it's a long time ago now, and it sort of... Uh, it was obviously a great night for you guys because it turned out to be, you know, wow. Mm. Yeah, I just remember being confused as to why she hadn't bought a whole dress. You know, <laughs> we've had a good year, can afford a, a whole one. I don't know why she's bought a half of one. But, um, so what do you see when you see that dress? Because you pick her up I before. I think we all know what, what I saw, Howie. Right, Same thing you, you saw. You know? we do. <laughs> what did you think? Did you... Well, I think neither of us really... <laughs> I mean, everyone cares what people think, but yeah. we're not... We're not sort of ruled by it. Um, she looked great, she really. Looked like she, you know, she was a kid. She was twenty, she um, phenomenal. Twenty-one. It was a bit. You looked your usual awkward self on the <laughs> red carpet, like you know. I was growing in my looks, how <laughs> yes. you know? And um, yeah, so it was, it was. You know, my main thought was, this is great. I've, I'm taking such a crack into the brand. Like that yeah. was about as in depth as yeah, I went with it. And then it was, this is great. I just won the Brownlow and. You know, then getting up the next day and going, I feel pretty hungover. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I wasn't analysing it too closely. When you look, you look back, it was sort of significant for us in a sense that we both became public property to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, and it was almost the start of, wasn't the start of the WAGs, but, yep. you know, that was, I don't remember a lot of attention, that same level of attention being drawn to, to, um, the wags before that. No. And what, what's life like when you are public property, which you still are today, but in, in your heyday, um, you know, your high profile and your beautiful wife is high profile, it makes her an even greater profile, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I found it really hard. Um, not hard like i got cancer hard, but no, I, was... I found it challenging, particularly in Perth. Um, we just got to the stage where, you know, as a 23-year-old we felt like going out to dinner but couldn't be bothered because we'd know that we wouldn't really have much of a chance to talk to each other because we'd have people coming up wanting to have a chat or want a napkin sign. I reckon that was before iPhones, which were just a disaster for sporting personalities. Yeah, my word, they were. Um, But there was still that that level of intrusion and people were great. Like, Perth people are wonderful, but um, sometimes you just want to go out for a meal with your partner and just... Talk to them. And just hang out. Um, and that was probably once we were making decisions like not going out to dinner and just getting takeaway and eating at home, when you're in your early, mid-20s, gee, sooner or later you've got kids and, yeah. <laughs> and it's a three-week planning operation Correct. before you can go out for dinner. So Correct. it just sort of started to feel like it was a bit unsustainable. So did you come up with a plan as to how to deal with that and have you sort of followed that plan through? Well, it, it does end. So it, it just ends for people. Like, it's ended for me. When was it at its worst? Oh, last year or two in Perth. Right. Yeah, it was at a fever pitch. I found Melbourne, I, I barely made decisions. I mean, in Melbourne, I, there were some places I wouldn't go because I knew they'd be full of people who were really pissed. Yeah. But other than that, I didn't really tailor my lifestyle to stop that intrusion very much because in Melbourne there's so many different footballers to share the limelight. Mm. Plus you've got musicians and actors and Melbourne Storm players. There's um, more. There's just more. There's yeah. not that same urgency when people see a high-profile athlete to mark the occasion as there, as there can be in places like Perth or Adelaide or Geelong. Um, so it, it died down a bit moving back to Melbourne and then by the time, I, my last couple of years in footy, it was fine. There's a new player who's flavour of the month and, you know, people will still come up and have a chat and, and by that stage it's, it's quite enjoyable. 
If you want to listen to the full episode of Chris Judd sitting down with Mark Howard, you'll hear Juddy open up about his concern for his former teammates, the physical toll of playing footy and his decision to retire. If you want to hear that longer episode, it goes for an hour and a half. The link to it is in the description of this podcast. And if you want to hear more incredible chats that Howie does with some of the world's best sporting personalities, you can check out the Howie Games on Apple, Spotify or the Listener app. Listener.